Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see Mizzou. It was a Missouri game against Nebraska at Fro Field. Mizzou came out and hung right with the Huskers. Uh, the Huskers were ranked number one at the time. Nebraska had to score a touchdown on the final play to send the game in overtime. I remember Scott Frost threw the ball into the end zone. The ball flew through the air, and then someone dove for it. Nobody knew quite what happened. Fans started running onto the field. They were jumping on the goalposts because we all thought Mizzou won. But Nebraska had actually scored. They called it the flea kicker. It's one of the most famous plays now in college football history. Even though Mizzou lost that game, it made me a fan of the Tigers forever. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit ColumbiaTribune.com slash sports and click tickets. Welcome to the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Daniel Jones here with Cameron Teague Robinson. Cam, can you walk our listeners through that? What the significance of the what greatest that was? intro song, the intro we've ever had. That was the best intro we've ever had. That is so, for people who don't know, that's the song Nuck If You Buck. I mean, it plays for Missouri's third down. Um, it's like every third down Missouri at football games plays that. So that's the significance. I guess that's why it, we're playing it in our intro because there's Mizzou significance for it. Right. And it's my. I, I, you can't not get hype when not gives you buck. <laughs> yeah, Missouri's third downs have been pretty good, and uh, yeah, we can't, we can't help but notice that the song has inspired some pretty big fourth down stops uh, in the last few weeks. But uh, the one in particular, which I'll be writing about today, uh, was the fourth down stop on the first play of the fourth quarter this week against Vanderbilt, which sparked. Uh, in the immediate aftermath, a 99-yard touchdown drive, and Mizzou went on to win 33 to 28. And now the Tigers are six and four, uh, going into excuse me, yeah, six and four. I got two games left. Six and four going into this week's game at Kentucky. Uh, Drew Locke said on Tuesday at Media Day that if the Tigers don't go eight and four, then it won't feel like they got everything out of the season that they wanted to. I don't know. Do you feel that way? Like they have to win eight games for it to be uh, a successful season? Uh, I mean, I mean that's what I predicted coming into the year was eight and four. I mean, and there's two games that they sh- they're favored in, two games they should win. So I could see where you're coming from. Um, after winning the Florida game and then holding on against against Vanderbilt, you'd think. Um, to really kind of close the season off strong, they should probably win these last two games. I think that gives you a positive thought going into the uh, bowl game other than splitting both of them against a Tennessee team who, I mean, they're beatable. They're not a great Tennessee team, but they did just beat Kentucky last week. Yeah, really kind of manhandled them. And we talked about the Vanderbilt game Saturday night in our last podcast, so you can read uh, or listen up on that and read our stories from the weekend. But... um, yeah, I still think going back to uh, that that game, Keshawn Vaughn, uh, or Keyshawn Vaughn, I guess, uh, 15 carries for 182 yards. That's the most that Missouri's allowed to one running back all season. And uh, and this week they'll play uh, Tennessee, who, like you just said, and, and like we were just talking about, uh, just handled a really good Kentucky team, uh, and they'll have to do it on the road. Uh, I think, yeah, like you were saying, uh, you eight wins is is feasible yeah. it's it's attainable and if you don't win eight kind of like drew said regardless of where the goalposts were at at the beginning of the season it'll be a little bit of a downer if they if they because don't if get you look there. at the schedule now they have three they've lost his two teams who 
I mean, you could th- say they should have beat South Carolina, but you lost to Georgia, Alabama, and Kentucky, three top 20 teams. There's, those losses aren't bad losses. Now you lose to Tennessee or Arkansas, those can really be looked at as kind of, I don't know, if I don't necessarily think a loss to Tennessee at Tennessee is a bad loss, but they can be considered a bad loss. Um, so I think that's where you look at this team and you're like, they need to win these two games to kind of end the season on a high note. I wanted to go back to that fourth down stop, and uh, there'll be uh, more in today's edition of the Tribune or tomorrow's edition of the Tribune about that. But I felt like that was such a huge moment for for the team, for Missouri, and for the defense. Uh, really had been on their heels pretty much the entire game up to that point. And when when that play happened at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Missouri was down by two points. So a touchdown there would have made it a nine-point game. You know, two possessions going into the fourth quarter, and they've been chasing. They were down at eleven, uh, down eleven in the second quarter, and to kind of rewatch that play, uh, Vanderbilt had actually gone for it on fourth down earlier in the game. On fourth and one, they ran a QB sneak, and on that on the on the play on the one yard line, they decided to give the ball to Keyshawn Vaughn. It was uh, Demarcus Acey getting into the backfield. Uh, it was Jordan Elliott really just step. I mean, Jordan Elliott made the play. Uh, it was a brick wall. Deshaun yeah. Vaughn dove right into him and did not move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Elliott uh, stuffed him. And then it was Akil Byers kind of coming in on the side. Yeah. Such a big momentum shift. And then right after that, Zerds gave the ball to Demarie Crockett and Larry Roundtree and said, Go on the game. Yeah, go go yeah. take us home. And that's exactly what they did. They ended up running, I think, uh, 10 or 11 times on that drive, uh, which won the game yeah and yeah. i yeah that that just feels like such a big moment for this team if that play had gone differently if vanderbilt would have scored if they would have gone on to win it would have changed the whole outcome of the second half of the yeah, season i think there's been a lot of big plays like that whereas last year so many of the games were blowouts were not close and wins and losses for missouri this year there's been so many of those high leverage plays you can think back to the game against South Carolina. Or even Purdue. Purdue, the yeah. Tyler Beatty catch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so many of those high leverage plays where if one thing changes, if there's not you know one yard of difference or one catch or one tackle, then the whole outcome of the season could have ended up differently. Yeah, yeah. I think that's been one major difference from last season to this season is that Missouri's been in so many close games, and we've talked about it throughout the year. I think that was the vision that Barry Odom and Drew Locke and Derek Dooley all had for this team was let's be – in those games and maybe you know we'll we'll win a few less blowouts but we'll also lose fewer blowouts and in doing so we give our chance give ourselves a chance to win every single game and when you play like that it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win every close game because there's things that go wrong for any team when you're playing in close games like that but you just want to win the majority of them um and i think that sad thing about it is that like people are going to remember the games you lost the most like when we think about this season the Purdue game is almost an afterthought. Like, I totally forgot about Taylor, Tyler Beatty Bay until I just said the Tyler Beatty catch. Um, you think about South Carolina, you think about Kentucky, you think about um, Georgia, how a few things go wrong, how a few things go different. But at the same time, it's just, it seemed like it's been like a 50 50 split this year. You look at Purdue, you look at uh, last week's win against Vanderbilt. Um, that they, I think when you want to be in close games, I think they've done just pretty much, you're, and they haven't done great. It hasn't been perfect, but. I mean, you're in a spot where you've won games you probably shouldn't have, and you've lost games you probably should have. That's kind of what happens when you play in close gameplay, though. 
trying to think back to what might be the biggest play of the season for Missouri so far in terms of potential impact. That DeMarcus AC PI. You think so? Yeah. Against Kentucky? Yeah. I yeah. think that's a good candidate. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, yeah, I was, you know, uh, on, for, in terms of a positive impact, I think that uh, maybe the first touchdown, maybe that Larry Roundtree touchdown against Florida to kind of get that game moving. Yeah, yeah. The, the offense, had, that was like a huge play in that game, and Missouri's offense really clicked into gear as soon as that touchdown happened. But I think you're right. The, that Kentucky play, the, the AC play against Kentucky was so massive yeah. and so controversial. And, I mean, a I win think, there, yeah, would have would have changed the entire yeah. Maybe a top uh, perception of the right season. Now. Yeah, Maybe a top 25 team right now. Yeah. Um, I think that's the play everyone's going to remember the whole season. I, I think you're looking at like you're looking back at the season. They go eight and four. They win their bowl game. That's one of the that Demarcus AC PI is going to be one of the plays everybody remembers this year. I don't know if it's going to be the number one play, but it's going to be one of the top three plays everybody remembers this year. It, Missouri does not have an opportunity to win ten games. Yeah, they can win nine. Yeah, they can't win ten. Yeah, and that play, that play might be the reason why yeah. they don't end up winning ten games. Yeah, that's. Kind of hard to believe, yeah. but that's kind of the reality of the situation right now for Missouri. Uh, going back to Nuck If You Buck, which was our intro today, Cam, you have a good history with that song. That song that song came out in 2004, Cam. Yeah, yeah. Best memory of that song ever in your life, or maybe the memory that you remember most about listening to that song. Um, I don't, I, it's just a hype song. No matter where, when you hear it, you just like, you're just like, you can't help but like bounce your entire body and sing along with it. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily have a memory because we didn't, it wasn't on my high school soccer team's per, like warm up CD. It just didn't fit with like the, I guess the demographic of our team, I say. <laughs> Sorry, the best way to say that. Um, but that was not the <laughs> word I was expecting yeah. you to use, but I, um, but it does fit. Um, I, but I, for me, it's just like it, my, like my uncle, and my cousin, like we went to always. I just always in the car when my cousin would go to basketball tournaments. Um, and I think and when I picture it, hear the song, I picture them. I don't necessarily have like a memory of like when I first heard it or like something that clicks. But when I hear the song, I picture them. So I don't remember because I was young. I was probably like ten. 11 when it came so, out yeah song came out in 2004 yeah so um yeah I just, I just remember i just picture them i don't know where or where we're like where i where i was but yeah i just picture those two i imagine that's how song i mean songs they yeah. don't necessarily maybe some conjure like specific images yeah. in your mind but it's more like feelings yeah, and, and people, people and yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know whatever you happen to be associated with yeah. and uh, songs that'll take you back to like, oh yeah, my old house or you know soccer yeah. team or whatever. Yeah. Uh, eager to hear what well, my intention is to talk to some of the Missouri defensive players, who I'm sure have memories of that yeah, song yeah. growing up, uh, and eager to hear what their memories are next yeah. week. When, next chance we get to talk to them. Before we get into a discussion about the women's basketball team's uh, season-opening victory last night and the Mizzou men's basketball team, which is kind of going through a rough patch already this season, we're going to take a couple seconds for our sponsors, and we'll be right back. I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, MU Healthcare, Columbia Water and Light, and Phyllis Nichols of State Farm. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. 
Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at ColumbiaPowerPartners.com and contact State Farm Agent Phyllis Nichols at 573-443-8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Thanks again to our sponsors, and now we'll return you to the podcast. Okay, we are back. Thank you to our sponsors, as always. And in November, we always have the confluence of football and basketball. And we have a couple other Olympic sports going on right now, too. Volleyball, uh, wrestling season has started. It is a mishmash of everything going on at the same time. That's a good word for it. Mishmash? Yeah, I like that word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I'm going to steal that. Okay. Okay. I give you permission to steal it. Last night, Tuesday night, was the women's basketball team's first game at Mizzou Arena this season. They beat Missouri State in a game that was not very pretty. Uh, Mizzou scored four points in the third three. quarter. Three, three points in yeah. the third quarter. Three, three free throws. Yeah, they went almost... Uh, how long? Uh, how fourteen minutes, fourteen and ten seconds, fourteen minutes and ten seconds yeah, in the second half before they hit a field goal. The field goal was Sophie Cunningham like jumper, and that was only her second field goal of the whole game. Yeah, she had had a horrible first half, had four fouls, so had uh, like ten minutes of the second half. Right. Uh, so anyway, bit of a struggle, and it actually started the conversation. Uh, what would be more demoralizing a football team not getting a first down in the second half or a basketball team not hitting a field goal in the second half yeah and then once that conversation came up so came in and hit a field goal so really it was like over but yeah i don't know that's tough i don't know it's tough to call I, that's a difficult question yeah i think i think be, some, sometimes the ball just doesn't drop right but, i think it's more unprecedented for a basketball team to not get a field goal in a whole half i've never seen a football team ever never get a get, not get one first down not even bad high school football i've never seen that before to me it seems more realistic that uh, if you were to give me the option which one do you think would happen more which one is more likely i would say not getting a first well down. yeah i could see that because you have only you know if you don't get a first missouri had eight drives in the second half yeah so they had eight opportunities to get a first it's not down. like they were just Kentucky was just running the clock out. Right. The women's basketball team, how many possessions or or a any basketball oh, I team? I don't know. How many possessions would you get in a half? A lot. Twenty. Yeah. If like not that. more. Yeah. That would just yeah. But uh it is I mean, either either or yeah. doesn't matter which one. They were both shocking yeah, displays of offensive uh <laughs> offensive non-production yeah like that works yeah Yeah, it was bad there's a lot of adjectives that could be used there yeah it was it was remarkable and it wasn't even like it was just when soapy was up was gone she played about a little less than half the third quarter and they still didn't score and it was what was more more not impressive but more great like incredible is that like it came right after they had a 19-2 run in the first half i was like oh they're about to just run away with this and then they came out and it was like halfway through the third quarter i was like they haven't scored yet and then they got like a few free throws and i go have they made a field goal yet? And I was like, oh my God. The answer was no. Yeah. It was uh, it was unbelievable. I was like, they're going to lose this game. They were up by as many as 25? 15. 15. Yeah. Sorry. It was 25 to 40 at halftime, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. And because, it ended up becoming a, yeah, ended up becoming a uh, three point. The final score, by the way, was I'm trying to remember. 65 61. 65. But it was like a two point game in the fourth quarter. Right. Pretty much the entire fourth quarter, it was tied at one point. Yeah, uh, it was tied sixty nine sixty nine, and then Sophie hit a jumper. Sophie, a jumper. pretty much with the game on the line, and and you talked to Robin Pinchton last night. She had a really good explanation of 
what happens in a game like that. Yeah, Basically yeah. saying you kind of expect the team to come out of a lull and then you start getting impatient. Yeah. And then at the end of the game... You just like go in the game. <laughs> somebody she, has to she, go win yeah, the game. Yeah, she literally said it's winning time. The last 35 minutes don't matter. We got five minutes. Go win the game pretty much. Um, and Sophie came in with six, six... She got into the game with a little over six minutes left and came in and she t- the first possession she came in she nailed a jumper. And it was... Which is... I mean, it's what you expect of Sophie, but like she had struggled the whole day. Like she wasn't shooting the ball. She missed layups. She wasn't shooting the ball well. Um, and then she had been on the bench for ten minutes, cold, and she just comes in and nails a jumper. And you're like, okay, Sophie's back. Like after that point, you're like, I was literally thinking Sophie's not going to let them lose this game. I was like, it doesn't matter. Sophie will run people over to get every rebound. Uh, they won't. She will not let them lose this game. That is one thing you can always count on with Sophie. Yeah. And you know, there were a couple times last year where her singular effort was not enough. Yeah. But against a team that you should beat. Yeah. Sophie, I think, could pretty much drag her team to a victory right. and 99% of the time. Luckily for Sophie, like, and I guess not luckily for Sophie, but the team, is that when Sophie was on the bench, as bad as they were offensively, they were oh, they were pretty solid defensively. Missouri State wasn't scoring. Like Missouri State could have just ran away at that game. I mean, you go 14 minutes without a, uh, a field goal, and you only, when Sophie came in, you're up three, so it was only a 12-point difference. Um uh, they they played pretty well defensively, and Grace Berg and Akira Levy, uh, the two freshmen, really stepped up big. Akira was big in the first half. She sparked the nineteen to two run, and then Grace Berg was huge down the stretch. She lost, it was like there was a point where Sophie missed a free throw. They were up four. Grace Berg got the rebound on the on offensive glass and put it back up, and they went up six, which is big because Missouri State cut it to three on the next possession with like ten seconds left. So um, yeah, they had some people step up, but yeah, it was Sophie at the end. Sophie was just like, "I'm we're not losing this game." The freshmen on this team are going to have a huge role. Yeah, yeah. That's been made apparent yeah. in the first two games of the season, and that wasn't something that was the case the last few years. Yeah, no. with all the with all the success that the women's team has had, it's not come from freshmen. Right. And this year, freshmen are going to have a huge role. Like you said, Kira Levy and Grace Berg are two of the most important players on the team. Yeah. Along with Sophie, I mean, even I. Kira Levy was bringing the ball up the floor. Yeah, she's going to be their point guard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She started the game yeah. uh, ahead of Lauren Aldridge. There's, well, she started with Lauren Aldridge. Oh, uh, Lauren was also yeah, on the Lauren. floor. But, but Kira Levy was bringing the ball up the yeah, floor. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, there's no doubt that she has I mean, a, she played a big the most role minutes. to play. She played 31 minutes last night, most of anybody on the floor. So, I mean, that's she's going to be – I mean, she's fun to watch, too. Like, yeah, she's really fun to watch. But, yeah, she's going to be a very, very important piece. And they love they – love, they lo- love her so far i mean she plays at a speed that's perfect for this team because they're gonna have to get up and down they're gonna have to get up and down the floor and just kind of just with their with their lack of size they're gonna have to make bill run with them and she's a perfect point guard for that you mentioned and i think we're seeing it right now that the team has changed their offensive identity in terms of playing with smaller guards yeah. it's going to take a little while to get used to i think we're seeing that right now yeah. uh but still they're two and oh and still ranked in the top 15 in the country yeah yeah so they have a little bit more time to work it out against some of their non-conference opponents before they start hitting the the big guns but the mizzou men's basketball team at one and one has already kind of started you've started to see the gaps in the absence of jonte border yeah uh last week they were mashed flat by iowa state up in ames and you were at that game too the day before um zoo played vanderbilt what in the world happened up there for anybody who didn't get to see the game on Cyclones TV? 25 turnovers. That's pretty much the end of the story. Like, Mizzou outshot them, out-rebounded them, but when you commit 25 turnovers, you're not going to win any game. You That's won't. a shocking number. Yeah, you won't win games at home. 
Like, there's no way. I mean, they 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 almost somehow they beat Stephen F. Austin last year with 21. Like, you're not going to win games if you're turning the ball over 25 times. Not at at all. If they, I think if they had turned the ball over 15 times, they're in that game to the end because they were they were shooting better than Iowa State um, and they were out rebounding them. and just couldn't keep control of the ball. It was like the first four five possessions, four of them were turnovers. Final score of that game, do you remember that one? I don't... 76 to 59. So 77, 27 points. Uh, uh, no, 17. 17 points. Yeah, your math's off today. I, it, I, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Second time in our 20-minute podcast that I've tacked on an extra 10. Yeah, I, sh- I should have been doing my 10s, my times yeah. tables, or whatever. So 17 points uh, off 25 turnovers, like you said, Conzo Martin spoke today to the media, had to answer to that a little bit, yeah. and pretty much just shook his head. I mean, like you said, there's not much you can do as yeah. a coach. It's he's, just we get, if we turn the ball over 25 times, we're not going to win any games, especially yeah. on the road against a pretty good Iowa State team. Yeah, and that's what he said. He said he's not. he doesn't have any big complaints about their offense when they were running it. It's just like he was just pretty, pretty much like you just can't turn the ball over 25 times. You just won't win, um, especially at Hilton Coliseum where hardly anybody wins anyway. Um, that's a very raucous crowd. They were very loud that night. I mean, you got a Big 12 rival coming into your town. Like, I mean, that these people were going to be ready. And then you're, you're going to turn the ball over 25 times. Just And Iowa State's an NCAA tournament team. I mean, when they get healthy and they get all their guys back, they're going to be really tough to beat. Which is pretty stunning. They were last in the Big 12 last year. Yeah, they got uh, a lot of guys back, and they got a top 30 recruiting class. Right. Um, they've, they've taken huge strides. When yeah. they came to Mizzou Arena last year, they were not a team that no. was close to being no. in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And they are pretty much, you know, right there on the doorstep this year. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be a good team. So I think at the end of the year, you, you're going to feel kind of okay. No, maybe not okay, but like you're going to be like, yeah, they were really good. Um, but still, 25 turnovers, you could you take 10 of those away, you're in that single-digit game. So we looked at that on on Saturday. Where did those come from? You had five from Jeremiah Tillman. I mean, they came from forwards. They Everybody. came from guards. Wasn't, yeah. Really, there wasn't anybody the that— The only person who didn't have tur- turnover was Mark Smith. Right. And was, Torrance Watson only had one. Mark Smith has pretty much established himself as Mizzou's go-to weapon on offense yeah. and through two games this year, which may not continue throughout the rest of the season. season right. But— the importance of his eligibility has already been established. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's going to be a big part of whatever Missouri does this season. But if you're a coach in, in the entire team, you have 25 turnovers, and the most any one guy had was five. Yeah. That means the entire team Just, is culpable. Yeah. So where do you start? What what has to happen for them to I think it's a, it's a little not bit turn of, the ball over? One, it's got to be your movement. One, Jeremiah has to make better passes on the post. I think he's gotten a lot better with it this year, but that was just, I think that... And that's that tough hurt. for him. That has never been his game. Yeah. Mizzou built an offense around a big man who could do that. Yeah. And, now they, and, and yeah. It, it wasn't Jeremiah. Yeah. And, and now it's it, kind of his responsibility. Almost. Mizzou also has to move better off the off the ball on the perimeter. Um, and it's just, I think it's just a little bit of everything. There are just times where they're bringing the ball up and just making bad passes, and they just seem flustered. Um, I think it's just going to be an entire... I think it's I think it's a thing where, as they play together, You'll see it get a little bit better. My my thing is like the Stephen F. Austin game was like Stephen F. Austin was pressing them, and they were like, "That's what they do. They jump passing lanes. That's what they do. You're going to turn the ball over against them." Iowa State doesn't do that. It was just like Mizzou just never looked comfortable offensively. Um, so maybe so my thing is that like, you think maybe it's a thing like as the season progresses, they'll get a little bit more comfortable with each other. I don't think this team's ever going to be like a 10, 11 turnover a game team. That's low numbers, but. 
I think they're going to turn the ball over because I think, I, but I, it won't be twenty five the whole year. I you hopefully hope not. not. <laughs> if they they turn the ball over twenty five times on average this year, they won't win ten games. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're probably more around a fifteen ish, like somewhere where they were last year. It, excuse me. If you're an optimist, Missouri had a similar performance last year. Yeah, it's at Utah. At Utah. Stomp at Utah where things just fell apart. Uh, and everybody had never... the same thought like, oh, this team's going to be terrible. Right, right, right. They found a way to get the most out of what they had last year. Yeah. Obviously, the emergent like Cassius Robertson ended up being a huge part of the yeah. team, uh, more than anybody could have expected. Jonte Porter ended up becoming a different player yeah. at the end of the season than he was at the beginning and of that's the, the season. thing about this year is that so many guys asked this on the radio is like who are the guys that you're looking to it's like you just don't know like I, at it's this a long point, season yeah no one knows like this point last year no one knew Cassius was going to be Cassius you just didn't know that you didn't know Jordan Burnett was going to be Jordan Burnett like, people have to uh, develop um, I think you're looking at Mark Smith I think Torrance Watson is going to be a big part of this team he had a great first half against Iowa State um, and then just faltered late um, I, you just don't know what's going to come what's going to happen I think this weekend tournament is going to be a big piece of that you're going to finally see like guys getting a little bit more comfortable on offense I think this is where you saw Jonte had his big come out coming out weekend week when they were down at Advocate Invitational. Cassius had a big weekend, um, so I think this is when, this is around the time of the season. This the Temple game when they come back, or when you're going to start seeing guys separate and really what who's going to be who this year. But right now, I mean, they're two games in. Temple beat Georgia last night. Yeah, Georgia's not very good. Georgia is not very good, but maybe. Missouri's contemporary in the SEC a little bit. Yeah. I know Georgia was picked to be at the bottom of the SEC this yeah, year. They picked second last or something. Right. Uh, but still, I mean, that, that yeah. game was a double-digit deficit. Yeah. So I mean, the playing Temple is not going to be easy. They'll like, be Yeah, it'll be a test when they come back. Yeah. Missouri's already probably, well, they're getting ready to head down to the Virgin yeah, Islands. I think they're, they left today. They will play their first game th- Friday, four thirty against Kennesaw, Kennesaw State. State. Yeah, and then uh, the they, rest of that bracket includes. Um, I have it up. Ooh, I, I believe up. West Virginia is the best team. Uh, no, is that, was, oh, I'm thinking back last to last year. I can't. Oh, here it is. Um, so if they win, they'll play the winner of Oregon State and Old Dominion. Um, if they lose, they play the loser. And then on the other side of the bracket is Northern Iowa, Penn, Eastern Kentucky, and Kansas State. Who's a top fifteen team? No. It, it's. I feel like it's just Kansas State tournament to lose at this point. They are very, very good. But I mean, a successful weekend for Mizzou, you get to the championship, really test yourself against a really good Kansas State team, which is what they did last year. Yeah, against and uh, really should have should have should have beat West Virginia. Yeah. Did not, uh, but pretty much what happened last year. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I think, like you said, it, that was a big uh, moment for the team last season when they went down to that tournament because that was when you started to see what the team was going to look like right. for the rest of the year. Right. Um, I think maybe that has to do with being in a different, you know, environment, yeah. being uh, away from home for a it's, long period it's of time. But basketball, right? And the beach. Right. It's uh, and beach yeah, and the beach. Right. Conzo Martin asked today, asked you guys today, where what recommendations you yeah, had in the in the Virgin Islands. I wish I could. I wish I knew. I'd <laughs> be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> beach. I think somebody yeah. should have just said beach. Go to the beach. Yeah. Go to the beach. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I, and I just Kevin Perry about this. It just he thinks it's. Like, how, why are these games so important, or why are these tournaments so important? And he said something about the sense that he compared it to last year, where like they struggled and they went down there and they were, um, they had a week off and they went down there and they were a completely different team coming back. So I think this is one of those things where if they can get, can, um, corral each other, um, and really, really play well this weekend, I think they, this, this could be a big step forward for them. So big weekend for Mizzou athletics. They will go, the football team will go to Vanderbilt, or no, go to Tennessee. Yeah. 
they will play the Volunteers with the uh, hope of going seven and four, getting to seven and four. Uh, the men's basketball team will be in the Virgin Islands. Uh, the the volleyball team has a big matchup this uh, actually tonight. Yeah, they played Tennessee, who's ranked twenty second in the country, and then Kentucky, who I think is top ten on Sunday. So a couple big games for the ranked volleyball team. Uh, wrestling season has started. They will host a top ten opponent. I believe they don't have their the rankings on the schedule, but I thought I saw somewhere on Twitter that it was a top ten team. I don't know. They're playing Virginia Tech. Friday. Mm. Virginia Tech's always really good at wrestling, right? There. I think so. I see, that seems like a really good wrestling program. Yeah, yeah. I wish I knew more off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. But at any rate, wrestling yeah. season is already Missouri's had an impact. Jaden Ironman was the Mac Wrestler of the Week uh, from last week, the Max Columbia native. Yeah, the, there you go, man. Yeah, Max the, Mac, the Mac has made it to Columbia. Uh, Jaden Ironman, of course, the former Tolton standout uh, four-time undefeated state champion he's going to be a huge name for this wrestling team this year and uh already making a bit of an impact he was a, a key wrestler last season even more so this year yeah virginia Tech's 10th in the country yep i was right missouri is seventh it's a huge matchup for missouri wrestling this weekend and then uh i believe it's friday i don't i at, lost my page at the I wish I could Ernie say Center. renovated, yeah, true, <laughs> remodeled yeah. or or uh, yeah, redone yeah. Hearn Center. And on top of that, you also have uh, women's basketball on Friday. They play Green Bay. It was NCAA tournament team last year, right? Almost so, beat like top fifteen DePaul team. They're really good, really huge, good. huge weekend for Mizzou athletics. Jam packed weekend, jam packed as some might say. <laughs> we missed that from last week or last year. That was. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, Mizzou, Mizzou playing Madness, Ten- homecoming weekend. Yeah, Mizzou playing Tennessee and some other stuff going on. So catch it all in the pages of the Columbia Tribune uh, this weekend, and we'll have another podcast next week to sum it up a little bit. Uh, you know how to follow us on Twitter, hopefully. If you don't, it's at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones and at CJ underscore Teague. Okay, Cam, I'll let you do the rest. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was tweeting that Mario McKinney is officially a Tiger. He just signed. Oh. Um, so, yeah, if you uh, – Danny, don't – you're going to pull that microphone off. <laughs> okay, there you go. I was really nervous that was going to fall off. Um, yeah, get listen to the podcast wherever – I forgot the outro. Listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, rate, comment. Um, do all that fun stuff. Subscribe to the Tribune as well. Um, and Danny, cue the outro. Music. Wow, that was awful. Be sure and subscribe to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.